Father, we thank you for today. Uh, I pray that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts with fertile soil, minds to comprehend, feet that want to run with obedience, Father. May your word transform us today. Not charisma, not um, creative sermon, just your word. May it bring life to us. Father, I pray that even you would help us navigate this ever-changing world, what many are calling this new world. And Father, we just pray for um, everyone who's experiencing loss, even those who've experienced tragic loss over the past several weeks. I pray that you would increase yourself with them that you would be more real to them than you ever have before. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are in the book of Galatians. And um, thus far in the book of Galatians, it's been a lot of the same, right? Grace, 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 grace. And who needs a lot of grace in here? I need a lot of grace. It's been a lot of the same. Paul is making sure that the church in Galatia understands that they can add nothing to the work of Jesus on the cross. We can add nothing to the work of Jesus on the cross. Now, thinking of track season, I remember um, back when I was in high school track competing. The week of the track meet, I was making sure that I was avoiding sin because I felt like I could add to the work of Jesus and I would walk greater in his favor if I didn't cheat on my Spanish test, if I did my chores, whatever they were, if I didn't talk back to my parents, if uh, I didn't have a white lie or fib to make myself look better. So the week of a track meet, sometimes the day before, I just tried to add to the cross. Anyone else ever try to add to the cross that way, to try to earn God's favor for just a moment or something in your life that you know is coming up? Or maybe you get sick and, or the stomach flu, and you're like, well, if I just avoid this, then God will heal me. See, there's somewhere within all of us, in our subconscious, there's this idea that we can add to the work of Jesus on the cross. And the fact of the matter, what Paul is sharing to those in Galatia is we cannot add to the work of Christ on the cross. Amen? Amen? So what Paul is doing here is in this, what seems to be a controversial chapter, um, one of Paul's most controversial chapters that he's written in Galatians 3, is what, what he's trying to do is this, is he's trying to challenge them that the Old Testament even shows that it's Jesus plus nothing else. So essentially, there's three main points that Paul is going to make in this chapter. Is it's God's covenant with Abraham, God's covenant with Moses, and God's covenant through Jesus. As Paul walks us and the readers through these covenants, it's like a history lesson in the Old Testament. He brings these points up to help the church of Galatia and you and I today 
to understand that we are saved by grace. You're saved by grace. I wasn't saved by trying to act good the day of a track meet or the day of a basketball game. I wasn't saved by that. I was saved by grace and grace alone. So the first of the three covenants Paul brings up is the one that God made with Abraham. Paul is helping us understand the importance of faith. So he's already scolded those who thought that there was a means to please God through the law. They thought that um, to make it to heaven, it was Jesus plus works. Therefore, in chapter 2, so a couple weeks ago, what we talked about was Paul was preaching justification by faith alone. That was it. I don't know if you guys remember it. If you don't, you can go back and listen to it. So now he is reiterating and defending his stance. That's why a couple weeks ago, Paul started with six questions to help those in Galatia understand that they received the Spirit of God by faith and not law. You received or you will receive the Spirit of God, the creator of the universe, by faith, not by your good doing. Amen? That's how you received it. So to help further his point, uh, or his points about justification through faith, he points to Abraham in the Old Testament. So if you have your Bibles, Galatians 3, verses 6 through 9. So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the, and announced the Gentiles in, sorry, and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So that's where our scripture is today. Paul is pointing to Abraham in the Old Testament, a covenant that God is making with him. So now what I wanted to do is first go back and look at this covenant. So Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So what are we seeing here? What we're seeing here is by God's grace alone, he blesses his people. Abram, at this point, wasn't a perfect person. There was one perfect, right? That was Jesus. So what's happening here is God is blessing Abram by faith alone, by God's grace alone. 
So God made this covenant to Abraham that he would bless him. And Abraham did nothing to deserve this type of treatment. Now, God's promise to Abraham was interesting because at this point, he had no children. Zero. And actually, what's interesting is his wife was barren. Therefore, anyone with a practical mind would understand that this promise that is being made, this covenant that is being made, is kind of ludicrous. That God is coming to Abraham to tell him who's old in his age that God is going to bless the nations, the nations and the world is going to be blessed through him with a bunch of kids. He wouldn't believe it, would he? I don't know if I would believe it. My wife is barren. I'm old. Why in the world would this happen? Yet we must understand that this promise is a promise that wasn't dependent upon Abraham. This covenant, this promise was dependent sheerly on God. Why? Because it's God's grace alone. See, it wasn't dependent on Abraham and Sarah. It was all God and his grace. We see some dialogue in Genesis 15 that I want to look at. Genesis 15, 1 through 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can ye give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you could count them, then he, uh, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He believed the Lord. See, God's promise to bless, uh, see, God promised to bless Abraham, but he did nothing to earn it or deserve it. What did Abraham do to this point to receive such a blessing? What have you and I done to receive such a blessing? See, Paul is furthering his point with Abraham to help us understand that we can't earn it and we don't deserve it. See, through faith alone, God's people receive his blessing. Through faith alone. Not through acting right before a test. Not before, not flipping people off before a job interview not before acting sinless before you get the charge at the um, gas pump, right? That's a large bill. See, grace is not earned. Abraham simply believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. 
Abraham didn't do anything. What did he do? He believed God. Not only did he believe God, but he believed God in the middle of a crazy promise. See, how many of us right now are in crazy situations that God has spoken life, but yet we want to believe our flesh? How many people right now are convinced that the world is ending, that Satan is winning, and that God can't do something? Not only did he believe... Um, not only did he believe God, but he believed God in the middle of craziness. I mean, this promise was nuts. God said he would have kids, and through his family, all nations on the earth would be blessed. Paul furthered uh, or further addresses that Abraham's righteousness didn't come from works of the law. We see this in Romans chapter 4 which serves as a commentary to Galatians 3, where Paul discusses Abraham's circumcision. Romans 4, 9 through 12. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but it was before. So what Paul is saying here is, look, is essentially the law was followed. Abraham did get circumcised, but he wasn't credited righteous after he followed the law. He was credited before. Why? Because grace and salvation is the work of God alone. Amen? We see the importance of faith. Now, Abraham did have faith. He believed God. Do you believe God today that it's only about the work of his son and nothing you can add to it? So, a, so it, there is a belief, right? Nevertheless, we, we see the importance of faith and belief in Hebrews 11. Many of you are familiar with it. It's called the Hall of Faith, right? So Hebrews 11.4 tells us that Abel's sacrifice, Abel's sacrifice was more acceptable than Cain's due to his faith. Hebrews 11.4, or yeah, 11 continues to tell us that Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, the godly judges, the kings and the prophets, while others throughout the Old Testament received God's blessing through faith, not only through what, it wasn't only through what they did, right? They believed God, they trusted God, the hall of faith. See, Hebrews 11:6 6 says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. All of these people had faith. That's why it was called the hall of faith. They had faith and belief in Christ. Faith and faith alone. 
Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Believe God, and it will be credited to you as righteousness. That's it. Believe God today. But doesn't that lead to loose living? See, that's always the argument up here. It's always the argument that maybe some, um, I don't know, super critical Christians may have, or the argument between works and faith. Like, doesn't grace and grace alone lead to loose living? No, grace and grace alone actually leads to radical obedience. When we receive the fullness of God's grace and, we, and, and the creator of the universe makes us a new creation and we walk under and in and empowered by grace, it leads to radical obedience. Amen. So it doesn't lead to loose living. When grace leads to loose living is when we're not walking by the Spirit and under the authority of God in our lives. See, because there are people who use grace as an excuse, as an excuse um, to live however they want. But some of those people who use grace as a reason to live however they want might not actually be that person who is empowered by the Holy Spirit, who has been born again, who is um, a new creation, who has the creator of the universe walking inside of them. Now, here's what I say is, transformation happens when you become a new creation. Transformation happens when the creator of the universe lives inside of you, but that doesn't mean that you become perfect immediately. Amen? See, I would say this, even when we go to heaven for the rest of eternity, sanctification, God is so perfect that sanctification will take place for the rest of eternity in our lives. For the rest of eternity, we will continually learn and worship about how holy he is and how we are not like him. Amen? Amen. That's how big he is. That's how holy he is. That's how perfect he is. So grace is not advocating loose living. We become righteous before God through faith in Christ, period. But our faith is expressed with radical obedience. Hebrews 11:4 again. By faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offering, and by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. See, God said that Abel gave a better offering by faith. Which means, because he had faith, he offered a better sacrifice. Because of his faith, he was willing to sacrifice a better offering. Now, what's a better offering? A penny that God tells you to give? Or a million dollars to the church that you gave as a tax write-off? Which one's better? the penny by faith that God told you to give. Faith and grace, trust in giving what God tells you to give is what's important. That's faith. Saying, faith is, yes, God, this is the only penny that I have, but faith is, I believe you, so I give it. 
I think the difference with Cain and Abel was God wanted one thing, and one gave it. The other gave what they wanted to give. That'll preach, won't it? How many of us today are giving God what we want to give, but not giving what he's asking of us? That's really deep. Like deep in reflection, not deep in theology. Deep when I'm driving back home. Deep when I'm taking a bike ride. God, am I giving you what you want or am I giving you what I want? See, how often do we end up living a life that we give what we want so we convince ourselves that we're safe based upon our doing rather than by faith? Oh, Mark says, preach it. Come on. I'm going to start having Rob come up here with a keyboard for me. Because of faith, he was willing to make a sacrifice. Genesis 4, 3 through 5. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Based upon this reading, many of us might have asked, why was Abel's good and Cain's was not? They both brought something to the table. Many scholars have thrown around ideas. Abel's was a living sacrifice. Cain's was lifeless. Abel's was stronger, Cain's was weaker. Abel's shed blood, Cain's was a business proposal for the first V8 juice, right? See, Cain was bringing what he wanted. Genesis doesn't seem to be absolutely clear. But verse 4, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. In verse 5, he did not look with favor on Cain. So let's read a little bit further. Genesis 4, verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is cr uh, crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must rule over it. See, in verse 7, God stated to Cain, if you do what is right. God is a loving, fair, just, caring, kind, gentle, and so much more of a God. So verse 7 insinuates that Cain knew the difference between right and wrong. Right? Cain and Abel do the difference between right and wrong, just as you and I today know when we offer God what we want versus when we offer what he wants by faith. See, there's, please don't hear prosperity out of this at all, but there's some of us that God is asking to give away more money. See, because sometimes he wants us to give away more money, not because we, uh, he needs it, he can do whatever he wants, but because he recognizes that we're not living by faith in our finances. 
that finances have become an idol or a god in our life, that, that we are building up trust in our finances and faith in our finances rather than faith in him. Some of us, he's asking by faith to respond at the altar during church. But some of us are too politically worried about what people might think about us, who might just start thinking that we're just um, messed up people or we're this, 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 or this. Some of us, God is by faith asking us to raise our hands, but we care too much about people's opinions of us, and we might have sweat under our armpits. Do I have sweat under my armpits? <laughs> by faith, God wants us to trust him. But we're not offering things by faith. We're offering things by what we want. So Genesis doesn't seem to be absolutely clear. God is in some manner, whether through Adam and Eve or an indirect conversation, had given Cain rules. This meant that Cain was not obedient. So when God is asking something, faith in his required sacrifice is the only way to honor him. Amen? See, God didn't accept Cain's sacrifice because he was inherently a better man. God accepted Abel's sacrifice because Abel's was by faith, not works offered. It was just by faith. Cain ignored the by faith piece. See, I believe Cain wasn't an atheist, right? I think he believed in God. He was likely bringing his offering to God to worship him, but it was his own way. A friend once said this back in high school, I will give God everything but this. Is that a life by faith? I will give God everything but this. Cain was likely mad because he self-righteously thought that his sacrifice was enough. But what is enough and what is pleasing to God is when by faith we obey him and what he asks. I'm beating it in the bush today, right? That's what pleases God is when we live by faith, when he says, give your last penny. Volunteer in the children's church. Sign up to disciple someone. Get up early and go to church and pray. Join a community group. Run from this sin. Get rid of anything that keeps you from loving me. Change your career. Quit your job. It is the by faith that pleases God. So Cain wasn't an atheist. He was bringing something that he thought was good enough. And Cain was mad because he self-righteously thought his sacrifice was enough. But due to Abel's faith, he was obedient. Due to his faith, he was obedient. Likewise, with Abraham, he was radically obedient after putting faith in God. 
or said after he believed God, right? So faith in God, belief in God, transforms us. So after he put his faith in God, he was circumcised. He obeyed God because of his faith. Even though he was justified by faith, he began to live obediently by faith. Amen? We are fully justified by Christ and by faith in Christ, period. But when we recognize that we're fully justified and the grace of God has come into our life, then we live a life obediently by faith. In Genesis 12, right after God promised great Abraham great blessing, he left his father's land and everything that was familiar to go wherever God told him. Do you have faith today that if God spoke to you while I am preaching, do you have the faith today that if he said, move to Zimbabwe, that you would do it today? That by faith you would say, I'm in. Would you, by faith, if God said, I don't need you to move to Zimbabwe, I just need you to talk to someone in your family about Jesus, would you do that today? That's faith in Christ. Abraham did that. God told him to go wherever he needed to go. God told him, and he did it. This meant that he lived in tents as a foreigner in the land of the promise. Then in Genesis 22, God told him to sacrifice his son Isaac, the son that God promised him. He said, look, you're going to have a, here, here's where the blessing is going to come. You will have a son. So the son that he promised him, now God tells him to go sacrifice him. Do you have faith in God like Abraham? Now, if God tells you to kill someone today, come talk to me. We need to get you some help. Um, you hate that you have to say that in this culture, right? God told him to sacrifice his son, the son God promised and miraculously gave him. So what did Abram do? What did Abraham do? He took his son to the top of a mountain, and he raised the knife to sacrifice him. He was going to do it. Abraham was going to do it because he had faith in God. I wish the church would wake up. Just not pointing the finger at all of us. I'm talking about the global church. Don't you guys wish the global church would wake up? Come on now, somebody. Don't you wish the global church would wake up? We would not be where we are today. So we need to wake up. See, the problem isn't that church or this church or the church in D.C. or the church in Europe or politics. The, the problem is right here first. We can't expect revival in D.C. If, we, if we're not even seeing revival here. We can't expect D.C. to change if we're not having people show up on Wednesdays for prayer and fasting and seeking the face of God. Amen? 
See, the hard reality of it is I'm not pointing a finger or belittling anyone. I'm just saying, look, maybe we're not who we think we are. Maybe what we're doing is we're becoming Cain and we're making sacrifices that we think are pleasing to God when in reality, God is asking something much greater than what we're giving. Maybe we're giving him $10,000 when all he wants is the penny somewhere else. I feel like I'm preaching today. I mean, like, I know it's kind of confusing here and there, but there are some points that God is making today, and it's, it's pretty good. It's preaching to me. Abraham was going to sacrifice his son. Are you willing to give up whatever's most valuable in your life today? That's faith. Genesis 22, 16 through 18. I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars and the sky. And as the sand on the seashore, your descendants will take possession of the cities of your enemy. And through your offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Faith leads Keyword to us radically obeying God. Faith leads to us radically obeying God. Amen. I'll give an example of where I think that our church was obedient. Um, several weeks ago, Luke shared about his trip to Africa. Our church ended up almost donating $8,000 in one day. We were in the hole that day in tithing. No one's going to laugh about that? I'm kidding. $8,000 in one day from 100 people-ish. That's really awesome. That, I believe that that is living by faith. How do we live by faith in everything that we're doing? Faith leads to us radically obeying God. You obey God because you trust God. You obey God because you love God. You look crazy to the world because you have faith in God. And you receive righteousness by grace. That's it. You receive righteousness by grace, but that grace leads to you radically obey him, obeying him. Your works do not earn your way to heaven. The cross was enough. See, Paul was using Abraham to try to help those who put their faith in the Old Testament laws to see that Abraham himself was seen as righteousness because of God's doing and not his. That's why he's bringing up Abraham right now in Galatians 3. So faith is letting go, not holding on to things that you want, God's grace to cover. Faith is saying, God, you can have it all. Faith is stepping into the unknown to bring pleasure to God's heart. Faith isn't about your success, but God's glory. Faith looks to the future. Faith requires you to remember God. Faith is an action. Faith is a requirement of Christ. 
So we often use grace as a reason to why we do not earnestly seek after God. But grace is not an excuse to stay in sin. Grace is the power to get out of it. Paul has went out of his way to reveal Jesus' grace through Abraham in the Old Testament to help those in Galatia and you and I today to understand that it's all about the work of Christ. And the work of Christ transforms you and I to be obedient servants of his. Amen? So today, we look to Abel and today we aspire to be able from the standpoint of by faith we offer God what he asks rather than be Cain and offer God what we want. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name. To slow down my heart and recognize where I can convince myself and build myself. I'm speaking to myself and praying for myself right now. Father, where I, where I build myself up to be something based upon me offering what I want rather than what you require and what you're asking. And at the end of the day, I've seen your faithfulness that life is always better and more full and content. And it always makes sense to give up the things that you ask. You never ask us to give up a thing that's going to cause us to not walk in a better relationship with you. So, Father, I pray, um, I just know that, I pray that you would give me the boldness and give us the boldness to not take advantage of you anymore. Father, that we would offer what you ask by faith. Father, thank you that we cannot add or sub subtract from the work of the cross, but the work of the cross has the power to transform us to walk radically in love and obediently with you. Bless us today. Keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen.